0: Hello and welcome to the Rocky Peak Young Adults Podcast. We meet Sunday nights at 7.30 at the church at Rocky Peak. For info on upcoming events, find us on Instagram at rp young adults. Enjoy the message.
1: All right, so you guys can go ahead back to your seats. And we'll get started. Now, the reason I ask that, it's uh, it has somewhat to do with what I have to talk about, but it's more just for everyone to kind of get to know each other. There's a lot of new faces in the room. Uh, And there's just a lot of ways that, you know, we can just be more of a family here in RPYA, here at Rocky Peak. But real, the question is, I want to kind of know, what is something that you can never live without besides food and water? Uh, What would it be? What would it be? Just raise your hand. I'll choose you. Yeah. So what would it be? Disney. We're talking Disneyland. We're talking Bob Eigner. Who are we talking about exactly? Disneyland. Can anyone else agree? Disneyland is just so expensive, but it's so magical. You can buy it. $300 lightsaber now. Anyone else? So uh, what is uh, another? Yeah. Community. Community. Yeah. I think I agree as well. Yeah. Music. Music? What kind of music? All the things. Sweet. Uh, Let's go with a couple more. Yeah. Nature. Like hiking. You're like the word nature. Can't live without that word. Yeah. let's go with the last one. My boss. My boss. Here he's a lovely guy. Uh, okay, let's go with one last one. <laughs> you really can't live without me. You need a restructure. Uh, <laughs> let's go, yeah, in the back, Vanessa. Jesus, yeah! You know, funny enough, uh, I wasn't looking for that answer. Whoa, I know. But I was looking for Disney, because if you guys heard, Disney Plus has just came out. This isn't sponsored at all, but The Mandalorian is great, right? So. Uh, And also, yeah, also I've been binging Hannah Montana lately, and I'm not ashamed of it, all right? And it's so cheesy, but it's like so great. So anyway, right now we're going to go into a time of teaching. If we have not had the chance to meet, my name is Johnny, and I'm the middle school director here, and I'm Trent's boss, which is why... Yeah. So anyway, so pretty much my whole job is I get to hang out with what I like to call the best people on earth, which you might disagree with me, are uh, 6th, 7th, and 8th grade students because I just love them so much. Now, some of you already serve in wildlife, and it's just so crazy to me that, you know, at that age in middle school, there can be a lot of transformation at the age of 12, 13 that can go on forever and ever, which is crazy to think about. But that's kind of what I do here. At Rocky Peak. Uh, And what we're about to do right now, we're about to go into a time of teaching. And what I say a lot of the times in wildlife, that's the middle school ministry here at Rocky Peak, what I say a lot of the times is we like to call this time the most important time of the evening for a lot of reasons. But for my main reason, the reason I'm up here is that we get to see God's word come alive and active. It says in his word that his word is alive and active and it's sharper than any double edged sword, which is crazy to think about, right? If you don't know what I'm talking about, Google it. It's really weird. Uh, But, We are about to open God's Word and see how it applies to our lives and how even though it was written thousands of years ago, whether you agree or not, everything in the Bible is true. Everything in the Bible actually happened and uh, we can see how it can apply to our lives even thousands of years later. Now, we've been in this series called Give Thanks and this series has been really cool because we've been looking at different ways to give thanks because if you guys don't know... Thanksgiving is coming up, and uh, if you probably didn't know that, you know the day after Thanksgiving, which is known as Black Friday, uh, which honestly does not have the best deals, just so you know. They always, like, start lowering, or uh, they bring the price higher right before Black Friday, so when Black Friday rolls around, it's like, it's $10 off. Yay, (laughs) right? So, Thanksgiving is coming up, and that's what this series is about. Last week, Waz, if you guys know Waz, Chris Nikki came, and he talked on gratitude and how we can be thankful in certain ways and really thankful to God in a couple ways. For example, one of them was that we can be thankful to God because he freely forgives us constantly, and another way is that true thankfulness demands total surrender, right? Now, I'm not going to go into all that. If you want to check that out, you can check it out on the RPYAs podcast or on the YouTube channel, wherever you check it out. Uh, But I highly recommend it. Caught up with what I'm about to talk this evening. Kind of go back and check that out, which is super cool. But tonight we are going to continue this series. This is the third week of the series. And I'm really excited about this because this is my third time teaching this uh, sermon. And that sounds a lot better, actually. Praise the Lord. Um, (laughs) uh, And this is my third time teaching this sermon. I'm actually really excited because I taught the same sermon in wildlife this weekend. But the cool thing The same God in wildlife, the same God we serve here in RPYA, which I think is crazy to think about, but it's awesome. So let's go ahead and pray. Jesus, thank you so much that you are a God that pursues us. You are a God that loves us unconditionally. And a lot of us, we don't really know what that word means, but that's who you are. You pursue us constantly, and we can give thanks for that. I pray right now against any distractions in this room, against uh, any things that are just on our minds. Whether it's you know finals coming up in school, or maybe it's you know just some family stuff going on, or uh, whatever it is in our lives, Father, I just pray right now that you'll really just take away that distraction, um, and we'll really just be able to focus on what you have to say this evening, and we'll really see you again as King Jesus, uh, not the King Jesus that we think you are to social media. <laughs> Uh, but King Jesus of your Bible, that you are so much bigger than we can possibly imagine, and you want a relationship with us. I pray right now for the people in this room that will really just focus on what you have to say, whether we believe in you or not, we will really just see what you have to say tonight. We love you so much, and we give this time to you. In your name we all said, amen. Sweet. Now, if you're like me, uh, I love going to Disneyland, right? But when I was a kid, and maybe a lot of you can relate with me, when you're going to Disneyland as a kid, first like has that everyone been to Disneyland, just for the most part? The majority of the room? Great, four of you, great. Uh, you're like, I'm ashamed. <laughs> right? But if you've been to Disneyland when you were a kid, it always felt like it was taking forever to get to Disneyland. Can you guys agree with me on that? It felt like you were going forever and ever and ever you're like, Mom, Dad, where where are you taking me, right? And as you get older, that kind of forever begins uh, to be kind of very small, right? You're like, oh, it only it took 12, 24 hours when I was a kid, but now it only takes two and a half with traffic because the I-5 is always under construction, <laughs> right? But also when I was a kid, and maybe you can relate with me as well, is like, has anyone ever been to Big Bear? Been to Big Bear, maybe, or Lake Arrowhead as well? I love going there. When I went there with my family as a kid, I still go there once about once a year or so. And uh, when I was a kid, I always again thought going to Big Bear took forever. Now, uh, you know, fast forward to now today when I'm more mature, uh, it's not as long, but it's still a pretty long time. But I think sometimes we're like, as a kid, we're like, things take forever. You know, sometimes if you go to Chick-fil-A, you're like, they're taking forever with my food. Probably because they lost it, let's be honest, right? (laughs) Now, I talk about that because this idea of forever is kind of what we're going to be talking about, and we're going to relate forever with thankfulness, and I'll explain in a little bit. But what we're going to be doing this evening is we're going to be looking at a uh, book of Psalms, known as Psalms, and we're going to be seeing at a chapter of that book, and we're going to be seeing how forever is not as long as we think it is, but it goes on forever and ever and ever and ever, right? So. If you have your Bibles, we're going to open up to Psalm chapter 136. We're not going to be there right now. I just want to get you prepared so you're ready to go. Sorry, Siri. it's Awkward. Uh, Siri was like, what? Um, but we're going to be in Psalm chapter 136. But before we do that, uh, now if you're like me, you're kind of wondering, like, Psalms, there's a lot of big words, words I can't pronounce what is the book of Psalms, right? I found a video for you by the Bible Project. Now, a lot of you may know of the Bible Project. Now, the Bible Project is awesome. It's a, a prop, it's a nonprofit organization that does really a really good job at kind of explaining big-level ideas, topics in the Bible and bringing them down to a very easy, practical way to understand it. So I found this video kind of summarizing the whole book of Psalms. And let's go ahead and play that.
0: We've been talking about poetry in the Bible, how biblical poets love design and masterfully use metaphor and symbolism. These poems invite us into an experience, to ponder ideas slowly and from many angles. And the largest
2: collection of poetry in the Bible is the Book of Psalms. So that's what we're going to look at here.
0: Now, the Israelites composed lots of poetry throughout their history.
2: Yeah, poems were written by Israelites, sages, kings, and prophets. Some poems were sung by choirs in the Jerusalem temple, while others were prayed by families at home. And Over the centuries, the most important and widely read poems were compiled together to be read or sung on special occasions.
0: And I'm familiar with books of poetry, a large collection of the greatest poems in one place and I can read through and pick my favorites. But the book of Psalms isn't that kind of collection.
2: Here, each poem has been expertly crafted and then placed where it is for a reason, to create a storyline from the book's beginning to its end. The Psalms poetically retell the entire biblical story and they invite you into a literary temple.
0: A literary temple?
2: Yeah, so the tabernacle and then later the temple in Jerusalem were where ancient Israelites went to meet with God. When you arrived, you would see art and imagery everywhere. You would see priests performing rituals, you would hear songs and prayers. All of it symbolically proclaiming that your God rules the world from this mountain and you are in his
0: living room. So the temple was a place to be in God's presence and also to immerse yourself in the story of God's kingdom.
2: Exactly. And so, Try to imagine how traumatic it was when the Babylonians invaded Jerusalem, plundered and burned the temple, and then took many Israelites into exile.
0: Yeah, where can they go now to meet with God, to sing their story and say their prayers? That is where the book of Psalms comes in. It is a prayer book for exiles designed
2: as a virtual temple. You enter the Psalms to meet with God and to hear the entire biblical story of God's kingdom sung back to you in poetry. Cool, but how does the Psalms do it? Let's start with the book's design. There are 150 poems broken up into five clear sections. At the beginning, there has been placed a short introduction, Psalms 1 and 2, which lay out the main themes of the whole book by reviewing the biblical
0: storyline. Okay. Psalm 1 looks back to the Garden of Eden and its river of life. Yeah, God placed humanity in a garden temple. and Here, humans decide to define good and evil on their own terms and so are exiled from the garden.
2: But the first psalm paints a portrait of hope about an upright human who delights in God's wisdom, which is called Torah or instruction. This person is like the tree of life in the garden temple. They eternally blossom because they are planted in the river of God's life. Yeah, that is beautiful,
0: but who is it supposed to be?
2: Well, remember that story in Genesis after humanity's foolish rebellion, God made a promise.
0: Oh right, a future human, the seed of the woman who would come and defeat evil and restore the world. And that is what Psalm 2 is about.
2: God's promise that a king would come from the line of David. He's called the son of God and the Messiah. God appoints him to bring justice on human evil and to restore God's kingdom and peace over the nations.
0: So Psalms 1 and 2 introduce all these
2: main themes. Yes, and then the book develops those themes through the five sections. The first two explore the complicated story of David and his royal family. The third section focuses on the tragedy of Israel's exile and the downfall of David's royal line. But then the fourth and fifth sections rekindle the hope for the Messiah, a new temple, and God's kingdom on the other side of the exile. Then the book ends with a five-part conclusion praising God for his faithfulness.
0: Cool. Now, nearly half of the Psalms are connected to one guy, King David, who God chose to rule Israel. Yes, David's
2: story is really important in this book. He experienced many times of hardship, but he trusted God with radical faith. And in these poems, David shares his fears, confesses his failures, and offers thanks to his Redeemer. And he's constantly speaking of a deep longing to be in God's presence in the temple.
0: But wait, David lived before the temple was even built.
2: Exactly. This portrait of David, hoping and praying for God's kingdom and a future temple, it resembles the hopes of the later generations of the exiles.
0: And so, David's prayers could become theirs as well. David's like a prayer coach, giving us words for how to pray and how to discover God's presence in good times and bad.
2: Exactly. There are 73 poems connected to David, but most of the rest come from later generations of biblical poets, and they have learned to pray and hope like David. And so the end result is the Book of Psalms, designed as a virtual
0: temple for all generations of God's people. This isn't a kind of book you just read once and put down.
2: No, it's designed for a lifetime of slow rereading and reflection. These prayers and laments and songs of praise are meant to become our own, they're poems for exiles who are learning to live by God's wisdom and to seek God's justice in the world as they hope for the coming Messiah and the kingdom of God.
1: All right, so yeah, I think that video kind of gives us a kind of great summary of uh, what the book is. Because I think for a lot of us, we kind of look at the Old Testament, right, which is the first half of our Bibles, and kind of be like, it's kind of a boring book. But if you read the book of Judges, it's not not boring. It's very, very bloody. Um, I think it would be a great Netflix show. Um, But anyway, so right now we're going to be in the book of Psalms, right, Uh, and we're going to be in chapter 136, Um, and like that video said, all the book of Psalms is, it has a lot of different types of literature and poems consisting of prayers, hymns, um, and stuff like that, and we're going to be seeing a psalm with a lot of praise in it, and it's going to be a lot of praising God and who he is, and I'm really excited about that, and a lot of early Jewish leaders referred to this psalm as the great... I wanted to make sure I got this right. The great Hallel. (laughs) Now, someone say Hallel. Hallel. Now, this is considered the great Hallel, which all Hallel means is to praise. To praise. To praise what? To praise God. And the cool thing about this uh, psalm in uh, particular is that this psalm was very similarly um, sung. Again, it's like a worship song, like the songs we just sang up here. But it would be sung uh, in the sense a priest would be up here during that time, thousands of years ago, right? They would be up here saying one part of the psalm, and then the congregation, all of you, uh, are going to say the next part of the psalm. Guess what we're going to do? We're going to do that. Um, Now, I'm hoping you guys do a lot better than the middle schoolers did, because by, like, three lines into it, they were like, I'm done. (laughs) So, but here's some context I want you guys to think about. A lot of this psalm, again, Psalm 136, goes into the detail of that God is good. Yahweh is good, right? And that his love endures forever, all right? Kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier, forever. So if you have your Bibles, if you have your apps, let's open up to Psalm chapter 136, and we're going to be going through the whole chapter. There's 26 verses. And the cool thing about this Psalm, and a lot of Psalms, in the book, are really well written. In fact, a lot of them are poems, like the video was talking about, and poems kind of have like an order of how things are done. Sometimes it will say one thing, and then it will follow up at the end of the psalm, kind of calling back to it. It's really well written, and I would never be able to write it today. But anyway, so Psalm chapter 136, we're going to be starting at verse 1, and uh, let's just get into it. Here we go. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Now, amen. But um, what I want you guys to pick up on, there's going to be a lot of phrases that say his love, that's God's love, endures forever. Now during this time when this was written and uh, temples would sing this psalm, right, in praise, in worship, very similarly to the songs we sing today in 2019, when the priest would say one part, the first part of the psalm, the congregation, all of you, would say the second part in unison, and this was a form of worship, praising God for everything that he has done. And what I mean by that, you'll see a lot of callbacks if you grew up in Sunday school, uh, which some of you did, and if you didn't, that's okay, you're in the right place, right? We'll catch up now. In Sunday school, you'll see a lot of callbacks to Egypt, the city in, uh, you know, Egypt at that time with Moses, if you guys know Moses, uh, with partying in the Red Sea, a lot of that will call back to that, praising God for how he remained faithful and he stayed with them throughout all All time, pretty much. So, Psalm 136, verse 1. What happened? Oh, there we go. All right. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. A little rusty, but we have a lot more, so don't worry. Give thanks to the God of gods. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His love endures forever. Now, what that is all talking about is as simply as we can give thanks to God because, one, he is, lo- uh, he is Lord, he is good, and as simply as that, he is good, we can thank him because his love endures forever, which is crazy to think about. We'll talk about forever later on, but let's keep reading verse 4. To him who alone does great wonders, his love endures forever. Now, where it says great wonders, this is now going to list off a multitude, many, many lists of things that God did that were very wonderful uh, previously with the Israelites, with Israel. And a lot of things right here, they're saying like God did great wonders. And now they're going to list out what all those wonders are. Verse five Who by his understanding made the heavens, his love endures forever. Verse six. Who spread out the earth upon the waters, his love endures forever. Who made the great lights, his love endures forever. The sun to govern the day, his love endures forever. The moon and stars to govern the night, his love endures forever. Now, real quickly, before we move on, what that's all talking about, it's pretty much showing that God is a great, great creator. Now, no matter, whatever you think about God, you know, a lot of people in here, maybe don't believe in Jesus, and that's okay. You're in the right place, right? We're here to learn. We're not here for the perfect people. We're here for the people with a lot of questions, right? Now, God is creator of the universe, and what this is talking about is how poetically he created the universe by saying, like, he put the waters in the right place where they needed to be at the right time for the right things, right? And that's, and this is all very poetic. Let's keep reading. Verse 10. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, his love endures forever. Now we're going to go into a little bit of what I like to call redemptive uh, poetry. In the sense, it's going to go into a saying of how God redeemed Israel multitude of times. Many, many, many times over years and years and years and years and years. So let's keep going. So he struck down the firstborn of Israel. His love endures forever. You all got that. Verse 11, and brought Israel out from among them his love endures forever. With a mighty hand and outstretched arm, his love endures forever. Now what that's talking about right there is that God on the the behalf of the Israelites, right? Because Israelites throughout, if you ever, again, if you ever read the Old Testament, it's crazy and it's weird and it's awesome, right? But throughout the Old Testament, God countless times would save Israel from enemies over and over and over and over again. But in this context, Specifically, it's talking about their uh, redemptive, uh, that God redeemed them from Egypt, from slavery, because they were in slavery for a long time, right? So this is God saying as a metaphor, as this poem is written, they are saying that God put out his arm and picked up Israel many, many, many times. And if you guys know, uh, you know, Old Testament, there we go, this is so annoying. (laughs) Great. Um, But as you guys know, if you guys know Old Testament... Hold on. They asked me, do I want a handheld? And I was like, no, I'm good because I, I need my hands. <laughs> but anyway, that's a little bit better. But throughout Israel, right, they would constantly, oh my gosh. Thank you. First time, first day. Yes, it does. <laughs> All right. I'm going to write my own psalm one day about this. The microphone endured forever. But anyway, so throughout this psalm, like, you know, throughout history, throughout Israel, they multi- um, a long time they would just constantly kind of spit uh, in the face of God, say, hey, God, we know better, we know more, stop redeeming us. But God, a faithful God, he keeps redeeming them, right? He keeps saving them. Let's keep reading. Verse 13. To him who divided the great sea asunder, that means apart. No one talks like that. I don't know if anyone does. Does anyone say asunder? Good for you. To him who divided the Red Sea asunder, his love endures forever. And brought Israel through the midst of it, his love endures forever. But, this is crazy, but swept Pharaoh and his army into the Red Sea. His love endures forever. Now what that's talking about is like, he straight up killed Pharaoh. But, um, church, <laughs> right? But, um, But what's that talking about is that God faithfully took the Israelites out of Egypt. I'm fine. (laughs) Took the Israelites out of Egypt and saved them and got them through the waters, right? Remember, the part of the Red Sea, which is crazy. And then he drowned all of Pharaoh's armies and Pharaoh and drowned them in the sea. Violent. (laughs) Verse 16, to him who led his people through the wilderness, his love endures forever What that's talking about is that after, I'll figure this out one day, guys, Um, after God took them out of Egypt, they then wandered the wilderness for a long time, uh, and then they disobeyed God, so then they wandered the desert for 40 years. Now, we don't have time to go into this, and I didn't think about going into this, but it blows my mind, is that what that's talking about is like, they weren't like going in a straight line forever and ever. They were wandering in the wilderness by going in circles for 40 years. Because that's how, that's what happened, because they rebelled from God, so God's like, all right, kind of like a loving father, like, go with the time out for 40 years, right? So that's what's going on there, is that he led them through the midst of it, but if you notice, he never left them, all right? Verse five, uh nope, verse 17, to him who struck down great kings, his love endures forever, and killed mighty kings his love endures forever. Now, this word right here, you're probably looking at it, you're like, what? The way you pronounce that is Sihon. Sihon. Say, si- someone say Saihan. Good job. King of the Amorites, his love endures forever. And this is my favorite. And Og, king of Bashan, his love endures forever. Now, these two kings right here, as I was doing research for this, these two kings are just a small list of a long list of Canaanite kings that God destroyed and killed. Ooh, <laughs> right? That's just crazy to me to think about that he took out these kings to provide for Israel. Verse 21, and gave their land, again, those kings that he killed, gave their land as an inheritance. Uh, yeah, keep going. Yeah, his love endures forever. I'm getting excited, all right? <laughs> Verse 22, an inheritance to his servant Israel, His love endures forever. Now, real quickly, that puts an end to the list of the great wonders that God provided for Israel. It's a lot, right? It's a lot. Let's keep going. Verse 23, he remembered us in our lowest state. His love endures forever. So what this is talking about is that God remembered them. He remembered his covenant promise that he made with Abraham, that he made with Moses, right? His covenant promise that he would never leave his people nor forsake them. Verse 24, and freed us from our enemies. His love endures forever. Verse 25, he gives food to every creature. His love endures forever. As you guys kind of see, we kind of go back to God being a, a good, good creator, right? He provides for us. Verse 26, give thanks to the God of heaven. His love endures forever. You can give yourself a round of applause for finishing that off. proud of you. (laughs) Now, as you guys can see, the recurring uh, theme throughout this whole passage is that Yahweh, God, is good, right? He provides for his people. He's a good God. That's the kind of overall theme of this passage. And then the recurring phrase, which you guys nailed, is his love endures forever, right? And you're probably wondering, like, I understood it the first time we said it. I understood it the second time. Did we need a third time, right? Yes, because during this, when we read this, I think we kind of overlooked the fact of the context of why this was written. It was written in the sense of they would worship to this song. They would worship to God saying, your love literally endures forever. Have you ever thought about how long forever is? Long time, right? We're going to go into that in a little bit. But there's two things that we can be thankful for from this passage. If you guys have uh, these uh, these note sheets, whatever you call them, uh, what, do you, what, what do like grandparents call them? No, program sounds too modern day church. Bulletin! Pull out your bulletin. <laughs> All right, so yeah, go ahead and pull these out. You can fill in, kind of follow along to help you take notes and stuff like that. But there are two things, like I said before, there are two things that we can pull from this passage of scripture that we can be thankful to God for, all right? Number one, God is faithful. God is faithful. Now, when we read that, God is faithful, I don't think we really understand how faithful he actually is. And a great example of, of that is Psalm 136, right? Right? Now, when we read this, we might think like it happened over a couple of days, or maybe you know a couple years. It happened over hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years of uh, history with Israel that God remained faithful to Israel, even though sometimes they would spit in His face and just kind of disown God and be like, "God, we know better, right?" They would build altars and worship those altars instead of God, right? But God remained faithful to them even though sometimes they wanted nothing to do with God, right? I think sometimes in our own life, we can kind of relate in that way. This is something else. (laughs) I think sometimes we can relate in that way of like sometimes in our own life, when we think we have life all figured out, we're like, I have a salary job. Look at that. No more Chick-fil-A. Praise God. But um, I think sometimes we get comfortable where we're at. So sometimes we're like, I don't need God anymore. I think I got this whole life thing figured out. No. <laughs> no. Good luck with that, if that's you. Um, it's okay if it's you. Appreciate your honesty. But, right, in this context, God remained faithful to Israel many, many, many times. And maybe in your own life, you can think back to when God provided for you. You know, he remained faithful to you. Uh, maybe he provided you with a job. Maybe he provided you with, uh, you know, a girlfriend. Whoa! Whoa! Right, or maybe he provided you with a God-fearing boyfriend that wants only Jesus, and you're like, "Whoa, nice!" Right? Yeah, there you go. Right? Maybe he provided you in that way, or maybe he provided you with a loving family. But something he he uh, you know provides for all of us, and this is super simple. He provides all of us every single day with oxygen to breathe, with a little bit of smog, but oxygen to breathe right? He provides us with, uh, you know, a new day every day. Yesterday was not the same day as today and tomorrow will not be the same day as today, right? He provides us with a new day every single day. So kind of think back, what's something in your life that God has provided you with countless times? Number two. Oh, wait, nope. <laughs> I lied again. I have a verse for you. Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 9. It's going to be on the screen. It says, know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God keeping his covenant, which is another word, fancy word for promise, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. Number two, his love endures forever. You're probably wondering, yeah, I know. (laughs) But I'm saying this multiple times because it's true, but also, I don't think we ever realize how long forever is, all right? I'm going to go into that a little bit later. I have an illustration. I stole it from Francis Chan, but it's okay, right? I always say if, like, I'm I'm always going to steal an illustration from someone else as long as it glorifies God. So I don't care if they get mad. I do go to his college, but that's another thing. But anyway, so his love endures forever. Now, what this idea of love is, if you've ever been to church before, if you've been around here for a while, love, you know, God's love is what we like to call the gospel, right? And now the gospel is as simple as saying good news, right? Now good news for what, right? If you're new to this, it's okay. You're in the right place. We love you. We want you to be here. Keep coming here, right? Good news, the gospel, all that is is that Jesus, the son of God, like that video was describing, Jesus, the son of God, came down to save us from something. What did he save us from? He saved us From this idea called sin now again you've been at church around for a while you're like yeah i got that thank you (laughs) right but all that sin is in the simplest of terms it's just rebelling from god saying like hey god i know better than you i know more than you no thank you i'm gonna go over here but you told me to go over there if you kind of think like the jonah story right kind of stuff like that pretty much saying like god i know more than you i'm going to rebel i'm going to sin against you now jesus came to save us from that idea of sin, from that thing called sin, right? He came to save us. And the way he did that is he came and he died on a cross and he saved us from sin that we don't have to bear that burden. He bared it on the cross, right? And that we can live forever and ever and ever in eternity with Jesus. But here's the thing. I think we live in a culture right now that we think we have to do something extra to get that. We're like, how much do I donate? right? How many push-ups do I have to do to be jacked for Jesus, right? I see those shirts, and I'm like, why? Go home. I don't go to the gym, so whatever, but as you can tell, but uh, (laughs) um, what we're talking about with the gospel is that Jesus came down to save us from our sins, right, so that we can live in eternity with him, but there's nothing that we have to do to earn it, right? We live in a culture right now that we think we have to work harder, do more, do better in order for people to like us. And I think sometimes we think that way with God, right? We think that way with God in the sense of like, God, I donated 11% of my allowance from my parents. Can I go to heaven? Right? I think that sometimes we think we can earn God's favor. Like, But here's the thing. We can't earn God's favor because of sin, right? But Jesus came down, saved us from all the sin, right? He saved us from us, uh, from ourselves, right? And he said, like, hey, I don't want anything that you can offer me. Because anything we can offer God, it, it's just so, it, it's like, it's awful, right? It's, like, it's funny to me in the Old Testament when they would, like, uh, sacrifice rams and all that stuff. Gross, right? Thank God we don't have to do that anymore. Thank you. Um, right? When we go to Jesus, all he wants from us, he does want something from us. Be clear. But it's nothing that we can buy or anything like that. All he wants is us. What I mean by that is that he just wants us to say, God, I'm a messed up person. Here I am. (laughs) Right? And God says, I can work with that. Right? And I think sometimes we kind of look at Jesus and be like, are you sure Right? But the gospel says you don't have to do anything to earn God's love. You just have it. In Ephesians chapter 2, 8 through 9, it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by your works. Again, if you have a, under, a pen, highlighter, something, underline that. Not by works. And the reason for that, the reason why the Apostle Paul is saying that, is so that no one can boast. I think we just we live in a culture that, you know, we I see it on Instagram all the time, right? And I have to check myself too when I post on Instagram with that. Like, we think like, hey, I fed the homeless. Did you? <laughs> oh, you didn't. Shame, shame, right? God is not saying, he's like, hey, you don't, like, we should, we should take care of the homeless, right? That's what Jesus has called us to do. But we shouldn't be taking photos about it. We shouldn't be, you know, putting it on our Instagram, on Twitter, because that's just kind of putting ourselves in the spotlight instead of Jesus in the spotlight, right? So in that sense, what this is talking about is like, hey, it is for grace you have been saved through faith. That's it. God just wants you, all right? So that's something, that's the second thing that we can be thankful for is that his love endures forever. Now this idea of forever, like I said earlier that we're going to talk about right now, is that I think a lot of things in our lives we think take forever, but in reality there is such a small a small amount of time, uh, but in the moment we're like, this is taking forever. Like, is anyone in school right now, anyone to go to college, go to Park, you know, Mordor, whatever, CSUN? Uh, have you not heard of that? Have you heard of, if it's spelled backwards, it's crap room? You're welcome. Um, Harvard on the hill? I don't know. Um, Right? I think sometimes when we're in class, when we're in math class, that's how I was. When we're in math class, we just dread looking at the clock, and we're like, it's been two minutes. Class is forever. Right? I think sometimes in class, we can think that in school. Maybe another thing is that, like I said before, this is a funny one, but like, my Chick-fil-A is taking forever. They probably lost it, let's be honest. Maybe another one is if, you know, the barista at Starbucks, and I have some friends that are baristas, so bear with me. I also have friends that work at Chick-fil-A, but we're fine. Um, (laughs) The barista at Starbucks is taking forever with my, I can't think of a complicated order, my whipped cream, I don't know, (laughs) for my dog, that's weird, all right, um, That's one thing that we think can take forever. Does anyone do that? If you do, we have prayer over there for you. Uh, Another one is maybe a lot of you right now are in this stage or you have been in this stage. My degree is taking forever. All right? Forever. Right? Can anyone relate with that? You're like, oh, boy. Yeah. Right? My degree is taking forever. Maybe a more relatable one is finding that parking spot at school is taking forever. Forever. Can I get an amen for that? Yeah, that's why I do school online, so. Come on, pajamas on. Right? We think sometimes a lot of things in our lives, we think take forever. And maybe a more relatable one at this age, finding a boyfriend or girlfriend is taking forever. And I guarantee you, if you're here tonight for that reason, it's okay. (laughs) I've been there. She's right there, right? And if you're here tonight, you're like, tonight's the night. This sermon's taking forever, right? But I think sometimes in our lives, we think forever is forever, but in reality, it's just a small amount of time. Now, like I said before, I stole a illustration from uh, Francis Chan. Uh, If you guys don't know him, he's a very well-known pastor, really awesome guy. I've never met him. People think I know him because I go to his school, He's cooler than me, all right? I would love to meet him, but anyway. So in this illustration I have for you is we are talking about this idea of forever, all right? So bear with me. Here we go. So you might have seen this on YouTube, but so this rope was $4 at Walmart. That's not important, but I was just glad I saved some money. Um, (laughs) So this rope, think of this rope as a timeline, all right? A timeline, and think for a moment, Think that this rope goes on forever and ever and ever and ever. It ends right there, though. But imagine with me for a moment that this rope is a timeline and it goes on forever and ever and ever and ever, all right? Now, this rope is a timeline of everyone in this room's life, their existence, forever, all right? Kind of make sense? Understand? So this is a timeline. Your life, your existence is on this rope, on this timeline, and it goes on forever and ever, all right? So now, this part, we have uh, some colors. We uh, We have green, yellow, black, and red, right? And as you can see here, this green part represents a small fraction of your life. So for example, the beginning of this rope starts when you were born. Good job, you did it, you were born. Pat on the back. Right, you were born. And then at the end of this green part is 25 years old. We're all right here, for the most part, right? We're all, for the most part, right here. We're in the green part of our our lives. The green has nothing to do with it. It's just that's what they had at Walmart. All right. This yellow part is the age of 26 to 50. Yeah. (laughs) 26 to 50, all right? This black part is 51 to 75. Grandparents are right here, some of them. This red part is 76 to 100, and and then you die. But hold on. Um, Y'all live to 100. Good job. You did it. All the smog didn't help, whatever. Uh, um, So again, this right here is your life, your existence here on Earth, all right? And we're all, for the most part, right here. Some of us are in the yellow, whatever, right? Some of our parents know, in the black, yellow, whatever. This is our existence here on earth. And you see this white part, this white part on this rope that goes on forever and ever and ever. This white part represents God's love. All right? So if you notice, at the beginning of this rope, you know, you, you, you were born, you did it, good job, right? Um, you were born, God's love existed right there when you were born. As you can see, it kind of wraps around the whole time frame of your life. God's love started there. And it continued until you're 25, it continued till you're 50, and so on and so forth, right? But the thing is that it started even before you were even a thought, right? So in Psalm, one of the Psalms, it it talks about how God knew us in our mother's womb and how he knitted us together. God knew you before your parents knew you, right? So God's love existed before and it existed throughout your whole life, and here's the real thing. God's love, like we were talking about, exists forever and ever, and here's how I'm going to do it. God's love exists while you're here on earth, exists forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever, and And I'm getting rope burned. But (laughs) what I'm getting at here is that God's love exists forever, literally forever, more than you can even possibly imagine, right? The thing that I always thought, uh, Pastor Rick Warren, who's at Saddleback Church in Orange County, I love uh, the way he put this in his book. If we were to describe um, God. Uh, the, reason, the, you know, the way we would describe God is, uh, well, one we can't. But the way we would do that is, it would be very similar to us describing what the internet is, the World Wide Web. Uh, it would be describing like that concept to an ant, little baby ant. That's pretty much the idea of like describing, for us to understand God's deity, God's goodness, God's just forever existence, right? That would be the equivalent of us trying to describe, here's the internet, and you just can't, right? You can't, right? But God's love endures forever and ever and ever and ever, and that's what this psalm is talking about, is that God's love is always going to be there. But here's the question I have for you. It's not a hard question. But here's the question I have for you. It's going to be on the screen. It's on your note sheet as well. Fill this in. Are you living out the love you have received? I'll explain what that means. But are you living out the love you have received? And what I mean by that, again, love, God's love is the gospel, right? Jesus coming down to save us from our sins, saving us from ourselves. Are you living out that love that you received as a free gift? If you consider yourself a Christian, a Christ follower, you have an idea of what that is, right? But if it's your first time here at church and you're kind of just checking out the whole Jesus thing, keep coming back. We're going to keep talking about Jesus. It's what we do here. And uh, just keep coming with questions, right? But are you living out the love you have received? And what I mean by that, in your everyday life, you know, with the words you say, Uh, with your actions that you show to other people, is what you're doing, what you're saying, really benefiting what the kingdom of God is all about? That kind of makes sense? So what you're saying, are you tearing people down with your words, right? Are you, you know, doing rumors behind people's back? Are you talking crap about people at work in your friend groups or anything like that? Are you loving people the way God has loved you and has freely loved you countless times with your words? Or are you loving God? Are you living out God's love with, uh, you know, your body, right? Are you, are you living a pure life? How are you living out God's love, the love that you have received? And there's many ways we can do it. I just named a couple with our words, with our actions. Uh, you know, a lot of my friends, they, uh, they're really good at going around just sharing the gospel with other people. They're like, do you love Jesus? And then they're like, what? And then they get saved. It's awesome, right? The Lord didn't really wire me to be that bold, Right? Uh, but there's multiple of ways that we can, you know, love people, that we can love God by, you know, sharing the love that we have received as a free gift. Now, I'm going to go ahead and invite the band up. Uh, and as the band comes up, we are going to go into a song that I actually asked Reed on um, the band to play specifically for tonight, which is kind of a throwback. It's like five years old, which in worship sense, that's a throwback. Um, but we're going to play a song, um, and it's called Forever. Which goes really well with the sermon. Um, but this idea of forever is that God's love endures forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Some of the lyrics of this song, the way this song starts out, it says, kind of going back to the psalm idea of the poetry, right? It goes with, The moon and stars they wept, the morning sun was dead. The Savior, that's Jesus. The Savior of the world was fallen. His body on the cross, his blood poured out for us. The weight of every curse upon him. The weight of every sin, sin that I've done, sin that you've done, every sin in the past, in the present, in the future, him dying on the cross has saved us from that curse, that sin. Later in the song, this is where it gets me. This is where I cry. I don't cry a lot. But this is where I really just break down and say, God, you are so good. Like the psalm was talking about. You are so good. You are so much bigger. And we can thank you for that. And it goes like this. It's going to be a lot better when they do it, just so you know. It goes on to say, the ground began to shake. The stone was rolled away. His perfect love could not be overcome. Now, death, where is your sting? Our resurrected king has rendered you defeated. Because of the love that we receive from Jesus, we can just thank God multitude of times forever and ever and ever and ever of just saying, Wow, God chose me, He chose all of you, whether you believe it or not. And we can give thanks for that. Let's go ahead and pray. Jesus, thank you so much that you are God that just man, you are faithful, you pursue us, and we can give thanks for that. I pray tonight that this song really just stirs up some hearts in this room. I pray hopefully the sermon that you gave us just, uh, just stirred up some hearts that broke down some walls, really saw that you were king, that you were king over creation, and we can give thanks for that. You redeem people. You redeem us many, many, many times, and you will be forever and ever, and your love will be with you forever and ever and ever. We love you. We give this time to you. In your name, we all said, Amen. Go ahead and stand up. Let's go ahead and worship.